0: Hi, this is Jesse Chu and Quinn Nguyen, co-founders of Paper Talk. Welcome to Season 4. We're here to share paper flower journeys, engage with makers and artists, support small creative businesses, and chat about our obsessions. Follow along as we give a voice to and
1: nurture a community of paper florists from around the world. We are so grateful that you're here. Make sure to hit subscribe and consider supporting us by writing a review. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode
0: of Paper Talk. Today, we have Sue McCleary, with us. She's also known as Passion Flower Sue, and she comes out of Michigan. Hello, Sue. How are Hi, you? Sue.
2: <laughs> Hi. I'm great. Great to see you both. Thank you
0: for having me. Oh, you're so welcome. We both are great admirers of your work. Like just the stuff that you show on your Instagram, it shows not just your expertise in floristry, but your personality and your love for sharing what you know with everyone. It's really, truly inspiring.
2: Thank you.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I have to admit, I love getting to know you a little bit more in Oklahoma, Oklahoma, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, when we did the Greenwood Rising project. And that was just amazing. And I have to share something because you guys can't really see us, but we're all short people. And it's just really awesome. (laughs) I (laughs) know.
0: Well, in the camera, you can't really tell, you know, you can make yourself look as big as you want.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But it's so nice. I have to admit, because sometimes I get a little bit daunted when there's a really tall person. I always have to look up. It's just, I don't know. It's that perception and meet other people that are just the same height. I feel like you just start off with an equal footing and you just, the door opens a little bit easier. That's all I want to say.
0: I'm oh glad I, I had no idea. To me, Sue's like this.
1: <laughs> yeah, me too, before I got to meet her.
2: <laughs> so, Sue, tell us a little bit about how you fell in love with floristry. Yeah, so, uh, gosh, probably about 16 years ago, I had this creative hobby of making jewelry. It was a long time hobby of mine, but I started making jewelry for friends who were getting married. And I made wedding jewelry for my friend Michelle. And about three months before her wedding, she told me that she didn't have a florist yet. And she was starting to get really nervous because she hadn't crossed that box off yet. And she just turns to me one night and she said, would you do my flowers? You're creative. You could probably figure it out. So I said, yes, but I really didn't feel strongly about it. I just thought, okay, this will be a fun challenge. But when I was designing her flowers, I really had this moment where everything kind of stopped and I got like chills and I Mm -hmm. thought to myself, this feels so right and so good. I think this is what I'm supposed to do because I had always felt kind of vaguely artistic, but not really good at one medium or another, but this felt just so right and so good. So honestly, from that moment on, I became really... Obsessed with the idea of being a florist, learning as much as I could about floral design. And really, mm-hmm. that's how I got my start by chance,
1: <laughs> yeah. That's I hard. feel like when someone becomes obsessed with something and they just feel like it it's just me, like yeah. you try to strive, you try to learn as much as you can. And I feel like your journey is how I kind of fell into deeper flowers, too, because I thought I was a little bit artistic, but I didn't mm-hmm. feel like a true artist until I started doing this and it just catapulted and rolled and just kind of like, you want to learn everything possible and how can you elevate it? How can you do more than what you're doing right now? So mm-hmm. I just love, it just renaissance, renaissance with me so much.
2: Yeah, I think anytime you get that that feeling that kind of overtakes you, you owe it to yourself to explore it. I mean, it's never failed when I have an idea that fires me up And I feel so like excited by it. I just allow myself the time to explore it now because I recognize that's when the good Mm -hmm. things really happen. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Usually. I mean, some (laughs) experiments now, of course, but (laughs) yeah, trust that. I trust that feeling.
0: Yeah. I think that's really important. I think that comes to some extent with experience though, you know, knowing yourself, knowing your creative flow know it kind of drives you because you're right if you kind of if you miss that moment it can escape you that type of creativity and whether you pursue it and it fails or not at least you've tried it and something comes out of it right at least you're not like sleeping on it and like oh I should have tried that but now it's out of season or whatnot and now I gotta wait another year to try it so I, I love how you speak about listening to that that little voice or that feeling that you have where it's you know just go for it and do it and I know sometimes it could be so difficult to find time. I mean, Conan and I, like sometimes we're just like doing orders and it's like, oh my gosh, we're so inspired by something else. Usually it's seasonal, but it's just finding that time to kind of, oh, just listen to ourselves. I think we need to tell ourselves a little bit more to be like, you know, stop the world can stop <laughs> while you explore this. And then you can, there's always orders. There's always, you're always going to have something there's always work, but there's, only limited time when you feel that kind of urge to go out, explore, and do something more than just what you're doing right now. So right. that's so cool. Yeah. So you call yourself a late bloomer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which is, I've already told you, I think it's amazing. <laughs> yes, yes. We can We can relate to that too. But did you find that could you have imagined like 10 years before you found Floristry that you would have found that or found it as obsessive or as intriguing or as I don't know, creative as you
2: do now? No, no. I really feel so grateful that I found it. I I think about that daily. I don't know what I would be doing now. I would probably be a chef, honestly, because mm-hmm. food and flowers and just embracing the natural world, like those are the things that I've always been a constant in my life for an interest of mine, I should say. But yeah, I mean, I, I really didn't expect to enjoy it as much as I did. And it really felt like this out-of-body experience where I just all of a sudden realized I'm supposed to be a florist. It was kind of comical. But really like all my other hobbies just got shoved into the basement from yeah. that day forward. And I just pursued every learning opportunity I could I could find and really just gobbled up everything I could. Yeah, it, it really was kind of a surprise.
1: I really love the element of you thinking outside the box. Like when I look at your work and I was like, oh my gosh, you just take the most common thing and turn it like upside down, outside in. And it's just so surprising and so inspiring. It just makes me like, oh, why didn't I think of doing that? Because it's just <laughs> mind blowing. If you you. guys have not seen her work yet, you need to follow her. You need to get her book. Her floral mechanics in her first book is absolutely amazing. She's coming out with a second book and I can't wait to get my hands on it.
2: (laughs) Yeah, That's one of my favorite things to do, especially after the year we had last year, Um, my creative tap kind of turned off. I'm sure a lot of people's did as they were just you know, stunned, like what's happening to our Mm -hmm. world right now, but to turn it back on, I deliberately thought to myself, okay, what do I have access to? What do I have in my town? What can I find at Trader Joe's or what can I find at the grocery store? And how can I take that thing and create it, manipulate it into something inspiring that inspires me, but also might inspire." someone else who needs a little bit of a, a creative boost. So mm-hmm. that practice of kind of really slowing down and only working with like one or two materials and looking for out of the ordinary design mechanics, that really was born out of this feeling of trying to appreciate what I did have access to. Because all the bouncy, mm-hmm. all the thousands of different flowers that I had access to before March, 2020, that just kind of stopped.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: And so I'm not the only one who felt that way, of course, but again, I'm, I'm happy that I kind of had that passion to continue to kind of move forward and see, okay, what can I do then? Mm -hmm. And that really, that really opened up a whole other obsession (laughs) really. Yeah. Just looking around yourself. What do I have access to? And then and then making the most out of that was mm-hmm. a really great practice.
1: Who inspired you to become the florist that you are today?
2: So when I was starting, so after I fell in love with flowers and all of that, I did my friend's wedding. I did some other weddings. And then I started looking out into the greater floral world to see who can I learn from and who can I take inspiration from. And at the time, all of the designers that were getting a lot of press were doing very kind of static uniform orbs and just the work was cool, but it wasn't natural and it didn't inspire me and it didn't draw me in until I found Francoise Weeks. So oh my gosh, she, she's amazing. <laughs> yeah, she's a Belgian born American florist. She lives in Portland, Oregon, and she has such a natural otherworldly style it stood out so much. So I found her on a blog, maybe like 2010, something like that. And I thought, wow, like that can also be floristry. It doesn't have to be this commercial kind of ballroom wedding Mm -hmm. look that didn't do anything for me, frankly. So she was one of my early inspirations. And then I was lucky enough to win a workshop with her in 2013. And that's when I really started Making work that I really liked. So there was this whole period of just, you know, I was I was a florist. I was getting jobs. I was executing work, and I was still um, interested, but I wasn't really making things that spoke to me, and I wasn't really um, using the medium of flowers as an art medium. I was kind of just replicating ideas that, you know, bridal re- requests most often. But when I went and spent that time with her. I was so inspired by how she approaches floristry. It's on her own terms. She has her own creative voice and she's very true to that. So when people hire her, they hire her for what she does, you know, they don't hire her to do this prescribed design that they have, you know, given her. And I was really inspired by that and I thought I took some courage from that. Like I don't have to be a florist the way that florists are, you know, in our your
0: preconceived notion of what exactly. Florists yeah. yeah.
2: I can kind of flip that and I can make things that I really am inspired by and then kind of draw customers in that way. Kind of like mm-hmm. flipping the power structure a little bit, mm-hmm. trying to draw on people who, who want what you do. Yeah. Just yeah. like a restaurant would. I think about, little restaurants that have a set menu and they bring in the best seasonal materials and they make the most delicious things of the moment. And customers come for that. They, they are trained to want what that restaurant is offering. So exactly. I think about that a lot because I think florists really bend over backwards for their, to make their customers happy. Of course, they yeah. have to deliver things that the customer will be so happy with. I'm not saying they shouldn't, but I think we need to take a little bit more artistic power back. Mm -hmm. I really like that a lot. I also come from
1: a food background too. So what you're saying is just, it just jives with me. It's like, yes, why aren't we doing that more? Because you go to a specific restaurant for like fried chicken or pizza and you know exactly. And I feel like with the social media that we have today, we're always pushing out what we love and what we're doing. And for any artist out there, I mean, do accept jobs that you have to get income for, but don't post the things that you don't want to advertise what you want to do. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's really, really important. I love grabbing back our artistic power. That is a great like terminology. Hold heart to that because that, I think that really vibrates with me.
2: Yeah. And I think once we do that, once we become confident enough to do that, that's when our work is really, it really starts to soar. And it really starts to make more of an impact and people are actually more like more inspired by it. Your customers will be happier with what yeah. you produce when you are you know really feeling like great about what you're making. It's just yes. be better. It's just going to be better all around. Yeah,
0: yeah Definitely. absolutely. It, shine, <laughs> it actually shines through and the decisions yeah. that you make, you don't feel constrained by them. You feel you're confident about them because you have permission to express yeah. yourself but yeah it's a conversation that we you know we've had amongst our peers and our paper flower artists members as well community and it's a struggle i think sometimes when you're starting off you don't feel like you have that permission you don't have that confidence and in a way it's kind of like you got to do your dues yes <laughs> to gain that confidence to be like you know what i'm i'm, I'm done with this <laughs> or like be able to learn how to express yourself through someone else's vision And then at some point, have that confidence to say, you know, I'm going to put this in there and you tell the customer or you tell your client, it's going to look amazing. If you love my work, it's going to look amazing. Trust me. And then kind of like slowly you progress to something where, yeah, like you said, you really take back that ownership of, I'm the artist, I'm the expert. If you let me express myself wholeheartedly, you're going to, it's going to be amazing. You're going to love what I make for you. But
2: finding that journey, you know, that taking that journey, I think it does take some time. And I think I I really like to encourage my students who I talk to, because most of my students are newer from zero to like five years experience. So I definitely think that there's this trajectory. You fall in love with the new thing, the new art form or whatever. There's a period of time where you are replicating and you are learning and you're building your understanding and absorbing principles and learning how to create your art or whatever. There's a number of years I feel Mm -hmm. where creating without your own vision is really just kind of natural and should be expected. Or if it happens, don't feel badly about that. You know, you're Mm -hmm. learning, you're like building your skills. And then at some point, like you say, like there's a level of confidence that you build or a level of comfort, or you start to absorb some of the skills and it becomes um I guess, a comfort uh, emerges, and then you start to really stretch and push and kind of weave in your own artistic vision into what you're creating. I think people are really hard on themselves when they're learning, and they feel mm-hmm. badly that they're replicating other people's work or that they're looking at other people's work too much. And I think that's just a natural part, of the learning process. Mm-hmm. and i don't I don't want people to feel badly about that. Like it's mm-hmm. going to feel, frustrating for a little while until you kind of build that muscle memory and that comfort. And then you can really start to stretch. But I think there is this phase that you, you kind of have to just go through (laughs) to get to the other side. Yeah. Jesse and I, we talk about that.
1: There's a part of me there's like, because when you're first discovering who you are, you do look at beautiful art and you're mimicking and you're copying. I think that's a really important part. Seeing if you fit into that style, because you don't know until you actually try it and does that pair of shoe really works with what you your feet and mm-hmm. i think the hard part is in our field a lot of other older artists or people if you're mimicking copying they kind of turn their nose down at you and yeah. i think that's it's really hard for young artists mm-hmm. to be like i just want to try it out and not get reprimanded because i'm just testing it out and it's it's also as a teacher, I think you have to be very careful about what you say to the student because it's really important to be able to help them grow and understand who they are versus stomping on that talent <laughs> because you're afraid of the potential. you. And I think that's something Jesse and I try really hard is we try to nurture that and grow that. And yes, I think as a teacher, we feel jealous because, oh my gosh, they've only been doing it for a year and they're so much better than what I, I did at that time. But I look back and I was like, but when we were starting out, we didn't have all this amazing tools and techniques that was shared freely. And now that we've become teachers and we look back, and we're like, I'm going to share my knowledge, my resources, and to help grow these other artists to become better. And mm-hmm. Yes, there might be a moment of jealousy, but you know it's a short-lived moment. And I turn that around. And I'm like, my gosh, they inspire me now. So mm-hmm. I, I I do love that. Um, one of the questions I want to ask you is, how did you transition to become a teacher from being a student to a teacher?
2: Okay, so that was another moment where I paused and listened to how I was feeling, and I followed that feeling. So I would procrastinate with my own work. I noticed that I was spending a lot of time on flower forums, like answering questions meticulously, like paragraphs of instruction. You know, someone would post, you know, I hate corsages. How do you make a glued corsage, for instance, you know? And so I would be on there, like, okay, step one, step two, here are the links to the resources. Here's what you do next. And make sure you don't forget that. And these flowers work really well for this. And I realized I enjoy that more than I enjoy working with my clients. So it's not that I didn't enjoy weddings and the process of designing weddings. I did, but I recognized that I felt more inspired, more filled up, more excited, more vibrant when I was on those forums, like typing out how I was making something. It just, it really clicked in my head that I enjoy florists and like the idea of adding to the floral conversation more than I enjoy creating flowers for events. Mm. And so at the same time, um, people started asking a lot of questions of me. So I had an opportunity to talk about things more and more. And then people started asking if I teach and I started saying yes, before I was ready, frankly, (laughs) But, you know, you have to say yes and you have to have some uncomfortable experiences while you're getting used to a new way of expressing yourself. So anyway, I started saying yes and then it just all kind of snowballed. Yeah. I love that. Yeah,
0: that's such a a green flag, right? It's kind of like, it really is you recognizing, oh, this is how I'm behaving. This is how I'm like, I'm enjoying my time. (laughs) By like sharing what you know from someone that's, yeah, I would say that's
2: a key moment. <laughs> yeah. I very, very obvious. it's really important to embrace your personality and like mm-hmm. what fires you up and then try to craft a life that works well. <laughs> personality, like I'm really an introvert. If I had my way completely, I would be like in this floral laboratory all day, <laughs> like just testing and I have to like leave out sometimes. <laughs> but, um, I've managed, I mean, with a lot of luck, I've managed to create a floral profession that suits my personality and my interests. And it took a little time, but I think that there is like all of these interesting paths you can take in your work too. what you, what you both do as well. You don't have to do it one way. There's not one way to be a florist. There's so many ways. There's so many things you can do. So yeah. Another reason why I love Following other florists and seeing what they're doing because I don't have to do what they're doing, but they're examples of what can be done, mm-hmm. and it, it encourages me to you know pursue my my strange ideas and try uh. to try to <laughs> something out of them. I mean, I think there's something to be said that learning from our
0: peers, it's a good thing. It's at least it's exposure of know what can be done, what seems mm. to work. Like you said, if it everyone's lifestyle is different. So um, creating, whether it's a business or life that suits your lifestyle, it might suit theirs, but not yours. But at least from that, you can reflect on, okay, this is why it wouldn't work with me because X, Y, Z. So it's funny, it's finding this balance of being inspired and learning from other, your peers. And then at the same time, knowing where your boundaries are and what works for you and what doesn't and being creative, like, I know you say like, you have all these weird ideas, but to me, it totally makes sense with a lot of the stuff you do being a former jewelry designer. Mm-hmm. You're very much inspired by all of this, by using your body and, you know, displaying art on the body in certain ways. And um, it totally makes sense. And I think this is why I like, blo- like bloomers, because a lot of times you see what they do and you're like, that to- there's, a re- like there's a whole history of why. Simply you picking it up at 20, you probably wouldn't have expressed yourself the same way as you do now in your 30s and 40s. So that in itself, that education that you had for yourself, that's amazing what you bring to what you teach your students because of you're a prime example of what can happen when you decide to listen to that voice and pursue that obsession. And suddenly everything clicks. So I'm really encouraged by hearing you, like how you speak to your students because not every teacher does, you know, not every, every teacher is as yes. empathetic, I would say, as what, how you're communicating what you say to your students. There's a lot of teachers who just teach because people ask them to teach and they wow. just teach, but they're not necessarily the best teachers.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, I have a few thoughts on that. So. <laughs> a few things. Okay, so there came a point Uh, maybe it was 2014 to 2015. And I can't remember, but I had reached a level where I thought, okay, I want to like up my, my technique game. And I treated myself. I know it was my 40th birthday. I treated myself to a birthday present. And I went to study with someone that I admired for years, a really phenomenal floral artist. And when I went to spend this day with them, it became very apparent that they were extremely uncomfortable because they know that I teach as well. And I was there just to spend time absorbing their brilliance, honestly. And I had Mm -hmm. no intention of taking that brilliance for myself. I intended Mm -hmm. to learn from it and absorb it and do things just as they do so that I could be next to this, like inspiring artist yeah. and expand my own ideas of what's possible, Yeah. but the day was very uncomfortable and very long because they were just discon- like very uncomfortable with the idea that a teacher had come to learn from them. It was mm-hmm. like, they were holding on very tightly to At these least. secrets and yeah. they couldn't, it just would never became comfortable. It was just something that always stuck with me because i I don't think students go to to take mm-hmm. ideas from other people. They go to to broaden their horizons or to expand their skill set. Mm-hmm. But ideally, I trust that most people want to express themselves their own unique way. They're not trying to take yeah. from from a teacher. Yeah. So, when I really transitioned from doing normal florist things into teaching. I told myself, I'm never going to hold on so tightly to something that it affects my well-being, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. These ideas,
2: they come in, they're shared and they leave. And the more I do that, the more ideas will come. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. I just I just told myself I'm never going to worry about competition coming to learn from me. I'm not, I'm just I refuse to do it. Because mm-hmm. I think it's mm-hmm. really unhealthy. I think it really stifles the creative flow. Yeah. And and it was just sad to see that person in that state of mm-hmm. so un- so uncomfortable, so defensive, honestly, like pulling the blinds when people would walk past so that mm-hmm. they wouldn't see what techniques were going on. I thought mm-hmm. you are so brilliant, you don't have to hold on that tight. Yeah. yeah. You have so much to offer. It is not about what glue you're using or what wire you're manipulating. It has nothing to do with that. Like mm-hmm. that's not where creativity comes from.
1: Yeah. yeah. You know, it's really interesting as you're saying that I think about my techniques and I think about like, I'm constantly changing the way that I do certain things Mm -hmm. like cutting the pedal, coloring things, being inspired because right now I'm working with Jesse very closely and I'm getting a really wonderful behind the scenes of how she does her things. And it's making me evaluate how I'm doing my process and making it's my process. Can I make this better? And I think as Jesse, and as we were talking about earlier, it's like, when we create our bouquets or flowers, and we have it very temporary because we're always sending it off to someone else. And you ask us, do we make flowers for ourselves? I think a part of me is like, actually, I I don't have time to make flowers for myself. But also, when I have a flower, I'm always I see the flaws. In my head, I'm like, how do I fix that flaw? How can mm-hmm. I make this better? So I'm already moving on to the next stage, even though I taught something and I loved it. I made it. It's hundred percent like all mine. But when, as soon as it leaves my craft table, I'm always like, oh, I could have done this. I could have done that. I'm already moving on. And so I think that's the part as a teacher, you're being constantly creative and innovative to break the field and to teach something different because I know every student learns something different. And in my head, I was like, how can I teach it a different way? So a different type of student can learn from me. Mm -hmm. And I think I love that about, aspiring teachers is that you're not holding things back because you're constantly thinking, how can I teach this better? I think that's the <laughs> perfect attitude to have for any instructor.
2: Yeah. And I really just feel strongly that the more you just kind of let it slow easily, like just don't attach, don't grab on, don't like mm-hmm. fix yourself. Like this is mine, you know, the the more you can do that, like just the more joy you will have as a teacher. And the yeah. more inspired you will become, I look at Hitomi Gilliam. She's a huge inspiration to me. She's an example of someone who gets just so much joy out of sharing. Gregor Lerch is another yeah. extremely accomplished florist, but they don't hold on. They're not, you know, grabbing on and holding on to this little thing that they've created that's theirs. Yeah. I really feel like that is is a real it stifles creativity. It really stops the sure. flow of creativity. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
0: Cause I, I mean, at the I've end seen... of the day, you're more than just your mechanics, right? Yeah. Like you said, you're more than just the mechanics. You're more than just how you do this. It's mm-hmm. much more than that. And yeah, it can be a little bit disappointing <laughs> when yeah. someone who does amazing stuff, you're like, Oh, that's all you think you are. Like that's no, no one can ever rep, even if I know how you did it, I could no way ever replicate it. So, I mean that, yeah. What an interesting experience you had!
2: Yeah, yeah. Another, I like a formative experience because I really, I really left that experience feeling differently about why do you teach? You teach yes. because you want people to be better than you, yeah, yeah.
0: You teach mm-hmm. because
2: you enjoy yeah. the idea that you can participate in elevating your industry. That's why you teach, yeah. Not just show. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Show you you,
0: yeah. Yep. exactly. <laughs> And it shouldn't be a competition or anything like that, right? They're your students. They're yeah. I mean, there's a proverb in Chinese proverb that talks about how important it is for the student to be better than the teacher. That your your success as a teacher is how much better they are than you. Because if they are, you've elevated them, you've supported them. Like that's also a lot of it due to you and your support. So yeah, I love the mindset, and I love that you're talking about this as well Mm -hmm. because a lot of teachers go into Because somebody asked them to teach, and they don't really think too hard about why are they teaching, what do they want to instill in their students, and what type of environment they want to create for their student to learn from. So I love that you're talking about it. Uh, Thank you so much. So I know you offer different ways of learning from you. Mm -hmm. So, and I noticed that you do some online, but you also do workshops and then you do a membership. Can you explain a little bit about the different varieties of a lot of it's just online or in-person learning?
2: (laughs) Yeah. So I started about four years ago offering online workshops because I realized if I'm going to be a teacher and have kids and have elderly parents, (laughs) I can't travel, you know, all of the time and make a living. So we tested, you know, to see if the the desire was there and the first online classes we released did really well. So it was super encouraging. So we've just been creating new classes since. So I do have standalone, like a la carte, online classes that are evergreen. So if you sign up, you can watch the content whenever you want. It's yours forever. There's a forum where you can ask questions and I hop in there and answer And then I have some packages too. I kind of, we have masked so many tutorials. We kind of package them up into little groups as well. So there's a few little packages that I offer as well. And then I have what I call the virtual studio. And that's kind of like a gym membership. So you pay monthly. The content is there for you to watch whenever you want. I think the library has like 60 classes in it now. So a lot of classes and new ones each month. But just like a gym membership, you when you stop paying, then it goes away. Right. <laughs> no more <has> <laughs> no access. Yeah. Yes. You have to sign up again. But yeah, it's really wonderful. And I have a forum for that too, a private forum. And I bring in guest speakers. We just had an Ikebana instruction last mm-hmm. week, which was super cool. And there's a lot of support there. So if you have you know, an event that you have to do next month and you aren't sure how, you know, to create the the mechanics for the installation or whatever, you can hop in there and ask questions and myself and the other members help Mm -hmm. kind of brainstorm how to, how to do things. So it's really nice. It's really nice.
0: How do you um, manage all these forums? (laughs) Because (laughs) Quinn and I are always trying to figure
2: out how you manage like this one and this one and this one. How do you manage it? Well, I have two now. So I have a free Facebook forum called Flower Forward and then I have private membership group. Right. So the the free one I answer as many questions as I can, but I focus more on the member group and make sure their needs are being met and make sure they're getting a lot of goodies and things. How do I manage it? I'm not the best person to ask advice on how to manage time. <laughs> <laughs> I just make a coffee, you know, I sit down and every day I try to like just answer all the questions as many as I can, really. But the wonderful thing about online classes is that people are, you know, they're in New Zealand, they're in Australia, they're here and they're watching at their own pace. So Mm -hmm. I never get like 300 people asking a question at once, Mm
0: -hmm. you know, it's like, one.
2: Yeah. It's one or two a day. It's not yeah. after, at the same time. So yeah. it's manageable. It really is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's Most good. Of the time.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I like how you're like, I devote once in once whatever, time. once yeah. a day, you know, you devote some time to that. Yeah. Cause I mean, I guess it goes back to your why of loving answering questions, loving being on the forum and teaching that is yeah. part of what you enjoy <laughs> in your day. Yeah, no, that's so important. We have forums, and we've got a couple of things going on too. And we've been trying to reevaluate: what is our main goal? What is our mission? What is our mission statement? And does what we're doing meet the mission statement, or is it kind of extraneous to it? Or how does that fit into our own lifestyles and our really our, our mission to grow a community and and share what we know? And yeah. Yeah, it definitely speaks to us.
2: We have to evaluate what you're up to, you know, pretty often, right? And like, rethink choices and rethink how to streamline things better, and and how to, you know, devote your time. Those things have to be evaluated regularly. So, yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> how are you able to balance family life and work life, especially uh, with COVID? It's I feel like it's been such a hard struggle for a lot of people.
2: Yeah. I'm feeling better now, but a few months ago, I was pretty exhausted. Just, I have two kids, they were home. The Mm -hmm. young one especially needed me to help with homework and like, make sure he was actually, you know, in class and he was supposed to be in class and things Mm -hmm. like that. I don't know that I have any real advice. (laughs) (laughs) Take it one moment at a time. (laughs) Exactly. One day at a time, you know, try to stay present, try to not spin into overwhelm. I can do a lot of that. I can be thinking about what's supposed to happen next year and let it steal today yeah. away from me. Yes. So, just like a mindfulness practice, trying to stay present, trying to just cross things off, make lists, try not to spiral into overwhelm, let something slide. You know, mm-hmm. like I'm a big believer in just being kind of transparent with people. You know, I just had a really lovely conversation with Hatomi, actually. She's Putting together a big conference for next year, and I I just reached out and I said, "You know, my mom's not doing well. You know, Mm -hmm. I haven't been as present as I would like to be for you, and I'm Mm -hmm. going to deliver and make this wonderful, but I just need a little bit of breathing space." And Mm -hmm. of course, she understood. You know, like I think we put so much pressure on ourselves to be professional Mm -hmm. and to answer right away and to get the proposal in right away. And I hope if COVID taught us anything, it's that you know sometimes family just takes the front seat and Mm The proposal can wait. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. it just can. Yeah. <laughs> no, for sure. Yes.
0: yeah. And actually sharing that, being transparent. Yeah. Anyone mm-hmm. would understand. But if you don't, then yeah, it is difficult for people to empathize and to understand if you're not being forthcoming with them and just say it. Uh, tell us a little bit about the book, your book, because you've got yeah. one out and then you've got one that's coming out hopefully next year. So tell us a little bit about.
2: Oh, in the two years. Actually, twenty thirty. Twenty thirty. Twenty twenty-three, not 20. 20- <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> I should have one of my books here. I didn't think about that because we're on video. <laughs> so anyway, I have a book called The Art of Wearable Flowers. Do I have a, it's a beautiful book? You guys have to go
1: get it. If you really want to learn about amazing, innovative floral mechanics, you need to add this to your library. It's really? brilliant.
2: Yeah. So it came out last March. It has 40 projects in it, step-by-step projects from very, very simple and easy to approach to kind of larger undertakings. And it's really just like a, a love letter to the floral industry to encourage the public to honestly kind of like think more of us, like we can do more than just the typical corsage, as many ways to wear flowers as you can dream up. So yeah, it's there to encourage the public to see us as artists. And it's there to help florists learn to make things that are a little bit more artful and interesting. It's so inspiring yeah. it is. <laughs> because it's so different.
0: Yeah. It does make you think about flowers, not just flowers, but like plants in different ways. Yeah. So I think that's, yeah, it's so interesting. What about this new book that you're writing? Was that what you were talking about before? How you were looking at what you had in front of you and trying to figure out how to work with those limitations?
2: Um, kind of. Yeah, some of those themes do find their way into the new book. But the new book, so working with chronicle books for both books, they reached back out and they had an idea for a second book. And then we had a conversation and I thought, well, what do I really want to do? What I really want to do now is encourage anyone who's artful or anyone who enjoys flowers to design more often, appreciate flowers more, kind of relish the season and like bring things into the home and create simple things that are really artful, but approachable. So the second book isn't necessarily for florists, although I'm hoping some of the projects will still exciting enough for florists, but it's really for anyone to enjoy flowers more. (laughs) I saw it. (laughs) Yeah, so this one will have some technique, but it's not a step by step project book like the last one. It's more Mm -hmm. inspirational. So the projects, again, kind of progress from very simple little meditative moments that you might do for yourself up to things you might make for a friend or larger, more involved things, and then all the way to kind of celebratory flowers. So things for small events, intimate weddings, and yeah, oh, that's wonderful. I can't wait to get it. <laughs>
0: <I> no, <know. laughs> it'll be fun. wish list for
2: sure. <laughs> yes. I'm 2023. Yeah, it takes a full year to create the physical book after everything's been turned in. So yeah. I'm trying also to make things that I'll still like mm-hmm. in 2023, which is hard. Yeah,
0: understandable. He's kind, he, sometimes you kind of move on, right? you've done this and you've been creative and then you kind of move on. And then a year later, or two years, when people start finally talking about it, you're like, oh, (laughs) I've kind of, you know, so how do you find, how do you create that joy and interest? Yeah. Yeah. Always interesting. I mean, but that's Mm -hmm. so cool. That's what's so cool about creative and being an artist is you're always constantly evolving and your students are always learning something different from you. So I think it's, yeah, you're like, you have to kind of think of it as you're more than just what you teach. You're more than this technique. You're more than that. And in fact, you will be more actually because you're moving and growing as, as you do this. And so it's such a, but I think it takes some confidence to, to recognize that, to believe that you can do more, you will do even more or something different or even greater or just different, you know, it doesn't have to be greater, but just you're more than yeah, what you are right now.
2: To see yeah, something. totally. Yeah. My little cheesy or corny tagline that I like to say is make what you're, what you're craving to see. So like what, if you look around the world, what are you seeing? And not that always what other people are doing, but what are you seeing around you that inspires you and how would you change that? Or how would you apply your own point of view to that? So mm-hmm. you're always kind of like, you're in this forward thinking kind of mindset where you're yeah. taking inspiration and tailoring it to your taste or what you're desiring to see or what will excite you mm-hmm. instead of just kind of making what's cool right now or making what other people are making right now or what would sell well right now you're mm-hmm. you're deliberately pushing yourself to change things or progress things to where you kind of want them to be
1: yeah yeah, <laughs> yes. yeah. I love that your Facebook group is called Flower Forward. It just,
2: this is perfect. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's what I want to inspire people to do. Cause we, we really are so often replicating things and making things that people tell us to make and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. So I feel like if we're going to push this industry forward and keep progressing, we have to keep pushing, making things that we are excited about. I think that's the only way to grow. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm, personally in a industry.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's end this conversation with a fun one. Okay. So Sue, what's the app that you're enjoying right now?
2: Um, okay, so I love Retouch because I'm not I'm not tech savvy. So I love Retouch because it's a very easy-to-use app that allows you to edit photos. So in my studio, I have a wall. That I use all the time, but there's an outlet there and I can just retouch the outlet. And get it. <laughs> oh, that's perfect. I can take out the, the window that I don't love with the ugly blinds that yes. my husband made us buy. I can just, <laughs> you know, I can get rid of little marks on the wall. If I have stems that have bruises or scratches, mm-hmm. I can kind of get rid of those. Oh, oh yeah, it's super easy to use. Anybody yeah. can use it. If I can, you can.
0: <laughs>
2: I'm, gonna I'm gonna check have to out. That out. i know, I
0: know. <laughs> it sounds so powerful and so great. easy without having to yeah to pay for like expensive adobe products <laughs> and spend all the time retouching mm-hmm.
2: yes. <laughs> i don't have the skills for that honestly so this is great we'll have to look yeah. that up it's called retouch right retouch, retouch. Awesome. awesome
1: thank you so much sue this was such an amazing conversation
2: Oh, thank you. I enjoyed it. Yeah. No,
0: thank you for being so frank with us <laughs> yes. about, you know, your feelings in terms of a teaching, the teaching philosophy and how you approached it and what pivoting points, you know, in your life really led you to a different path. And it's so interesting and so inspiring, really. I mean, one mm-hmm. day, one day we will learn
2: from
1: you. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, I'd like to learn from you as well. So, fine.
1: Yes. <laughs> Thanks, Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to this episode of Paper Talk. Today's episode is sponsored by our Patrons, Elaine Lim, Aurea Van White, Winnie McDowell, Jennifer Desplantes, Robin, Bonnie Slipper, Laura Wheelie, Martha Tokas, Nina, Linda Drysdale, Lucinda, and Tina Proctor. We appreciate your donation, and we're excited to keep creating content for our paper flower community. If you're interested in supporting us, head on over to our Patreon page at www.patreon.com backslash and sign up as
2: a patron. We would love to see you there.